Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. So uh, about a few weeks ago, Bishop had asked me to uh, preach, right? And um, the initial thought, I was like, man, on Sunday? Eh, I really don't know. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm the uh, youth leader. So uh, presenting message to the youth is something simple. It's easier. Uh, I've been doing it for quite a while. So uh, speaking in front of the uh, younger group feels a little more comfortable. Uh, but when he asked me, what, what other answer do you think I was, I was going to give to him, right? I couldn't say no or so I thought about it. I looked at the text, and I said, hey, you know what? Let me consider this. I went into the kitchen, and I was prepping food for my kids, and um, automatically I said, hey, you know what, God? What are you trying to do? The month of August, I was taking off of uh, bringing messages to the youth, and I was just taking my own personal sabbatical, and just trying to get my time, right? And with this text now, I said, God, what are you doing? And um, automatically I felt, you know, God just speaking to me what he wanted to share today. Uh, so I just grabbed my ear pods, I put them in, and I just started speaking everything that I heard God saying. So then I went back to Bishop and I texted him and said, hey, you know what, I'll be delighted to do it. Um, nervous, but saying, hey, I'll be delighted to do it, you know? And I said, hey, thank you for trusting in me. He said, well, you know, I sense God wanted you to speak today, um, but yeah, I do believe in you, but I felt God propelling me to um, want you to speak. So after uh, I, you know, agreed to it, I, um, he sent me the text message, and now I'm, I'm here with a whole download from God, and I got this verse, and I'm like, how am I going to connect this? I got something completely different from what this verse says, but somehow God wants to connect this. So I just um, got into God's presence, and uh, he basically gave me a complete message to bring to you guys today. So I'm super excited uh, to be able to be that voice being used today. So before we bring the message, we're just going to pray and uh, just get our hearts before God, okay? Father, we just thank you for this time. I pray, God, that your word, uh, God, that was seasoned would be spoken in truth and fire, God. And I thank you, God, that every heart that is in this room, God, that it would receive it from you, Lord. I pray that you would remove every distraction, God. Father, every lie, God, that it would be removed, and I pray their hearts would be open. I pray that every seed that you've planted in this place, those present, those listening, Lord, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would revitalize their life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the title of this message is titled, Hope Through the Lens. And for those of you um, who knows me, knows that my wife wears glasses, right? And every once a year, she gets super excited because that means we get to go shopping for new glasses. I mean, my wife makes this thing seem as if we're about to get a new car. I don't know about glasses or what, if they have different years, 2020s or the 2019s, but I'm telling you, it's like we're shopping for the new 2025s. It's, it's insane. So we go, we get a prescription. After we get the prescription, we would go to all these different places to make sure we get the right frames, to make sure we get the right lens. And I would always ask her, I said, honey, what is it? What is it about these glasses? Why do you get so excited to get new lens and new frames? What is it really doing? And actually asking her and getting a proper understanding, I now understand that glasses actually improves or corrects a lot of vision problems. 
So when I look at people now and I see they wear glasses, it's not because, you know, they want to look smart. They're actually wearing it because it corrects a lot of uh, vision problems. And why bring this up? What does my wife's vision problems have to do with anyone in this room? What does her excitement to get new glasses have to do with anyone in this room? Well, after spending time with God, I bring this up because as people who confess that we are believers, that we're Christians, I believe many of us are due for a new prescription of God's word. You know, I believe that we've, we've came to a place where we're just, you know, riding the waves. We're no longer being washed over by the word of God daily. Instead, we're just living in what was. And that's great because we, we need to know who God was to know who he is, right? It's amazing to know who he once was. But there's times we put God in such a structure that we think that the way he did what he did the last time, he's going to do something this specific way. But we're wrong. If we put God in a specific structure, then we're not allowing the freedom of God to move in our situation right now. And we come in this room and we, you know, we praise and we sing. We watch online and we say, you know, Lord, you know, have your way, God. Uh, move in me, Lord. Uh, you know, let your will be done. But we got to understand, how can God's will be done if we don't understand what he's trying to do right now? He was miraculous in your life 10 years ago. He was miraculous in your life even two weeks ago. But God wants to do something now. And I believe there's a lot of us in this room that God wants to do something now. There's a lot of us in this room that are confused. There's a lot of us in this room that has many questions. And we're saying, God, I don't see you moving the same way you did the last time. What's going on? But God is saying, I'm trying to do something new. But we got to understand that if we're not allowing God to move, if we're not seeking God, if we're not rooted in the word of God, then we can't understand what God is try what, trying to do right now. If we keep looking back to say, yo, but you're not, you're not taking the right steps, God. You did this before. You made two steps left, and then you made two steps right. But right now, what's going on? I'm confused. But God is saying, seek first the kingdom, and everything else will be added. So we're called to seek the Word of God. We're called to be planted and rooted in the Word of God to know what God is trying to do in this season. And all of our desires, all of us, our desires is to see God's will work out for us. None of us say, hey, you know what? No, let my will be done. We say, God, let your will be done. It's what you want to do. But how can that happen unless we have the same vision that God has? You wouldn't know God's vision if you don't know his word. God's vision, it gives us a different perspective. As you face life and all it comes with, if you are not rooted in God's word, there's no way that you'll know when to make the left or when to make the right. You'll be confused. We have to understand that the only way that we can experience the glory of God that we so sing about, that we so uh, hear about, is when we are grounded in the Word of God. If we're grounded in the Word of God, there is no way that you will experience the Word of God, experience God if you're not grounded in His Word. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how hard you worship. I don't even care how long you can pray. If you don't remain in God's word, there is no way that you would see his glory through your life. It's important to understand as believers, as those seekers of Christ, it's his word that sustains us. I don't care what you've seen in someone else's life. I don't care how many times you've heard stories. I don't care how many times you can listen to worship songs a day. If you are not rooted in God, if you're not rooted in the word of God, then guess what? 
It's fragile. Your relationship is fragile. We're called to run this race, right, that's marked out for us. But if our eyes are not fixed on Jesus, if your eyes is just fixed on the sermons that you listen to all the time or the people that you have in your life, then guess what? You can't see the glory of God. God has intimate relationships. He has personal relationships. He doesn't have third-party relationship. He's not treated as a side piece. God is a direct someone. God is an intimate person. And unless you have that intimacy with his word, there is no way you'll be able to fix your eyes on Jesus. So with that, the reason why I felt God wanted me to share this, the objective is to encourage you, encourage the church, each of you, to know that regardless of the battles and trials that comes your way, if you remove, if and when you remove your earthly perspective and look at your situations from God's victorious perspective, your situation would look completely different and you'll walk differently in what seems like a blazing fire. So some key questions I want you guys to Ask yourself as we go through this, the first one is, when the storms of life arises, does it cause you to cling closer to God, to a person, or to that familiar thing that makes you feel comfortable? And the second question is, as God's child, as children of God, do you think it's important to remain a baby or to be a mature child? And I think that's an important question. Because as people, when we uh, meet you people or we go places, none of us would want to be considered a child. You know, they'll say, hey, uh, man, that guy's acting like he's 12 years old. No one wants to hear that about ourselves, right? So we have to evaluate ourselves in the same way as children of God. Do we want to be looked at as 12-year-olds in, in, in Christ or we want to look as mature children? So that's why I proposed that question. So as we get into today's passage, it's actually going to come out of John 1, 2, and 3. And it reads, it says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. I had to read this a few times. I mean, I read this prior, but I had to read it again and ask myself, this is a strange way to view trials, isn't it? To consider it joy? Uh, it really don't make sense to me. I mean... Why should I view the things I face in life a joy? Shouldn't I be asking God to take me out of it? Shouldn't I be asking God to end it all? After all, God, hey, listen, I come into church, I tithe, I mean, I sing, I do everything I'm supposed to do. Why am I still, with it, still dealing with this? Don't I have a, a reason to just complain? And as we see, James says, no. No, don't complain. James says, don't complain. James says, hey, you know what? consider it a joy. But why? Isn't that strange? It doesn't make sense to me. But for some reason, James encourages us to respond positively in our trials. And I love what he said. He purposely cast his net, and he says, when you experience various amount of trials. He doesn't say, hey, you know, when you, you know, slip and fall, or when, you know, the world is against you, or when you feel attacked, or only when they're attacking the church. He said, no, when you experience various amount of trials. So everything in life, everything we deal with, we're living in a fallen world. The moment we come out of here, somebody might brush past us and do something. Guess what? That's a trial we're facing right there. And he says, to consider it all a great joy. But that's a strange way to view it. 
compared to what we are normally, you know, the normality of life, it's like, hey, man, you deal with trials, try to get your best way to get out of it. Whatever you got to do, get out of it. You don't want to have to deal with that. Whatever it is, just get your tail out of there. Why deal with it? But I love how James cast his net, and he said various trials, because he's talking from sickness to loneliness to the loss of a family member to disappointment to injustice, as we see so prevalent within our society today, division. And the list goes on, but he says that we should consider it all a joy. Don't look at them as something unfortunate. Don't look at it, look at it as a sorrowful thing or don't consider it some type of suffering. We should welcome them. But why? What is it about trials that we should find joy in? Why should we just welcome these things in our lives? Why is it important? Why does James say that we can and should react? Should. He doesn't say we, 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 we maybe should be doing it. No, he said we should react with such strange, unexpected response. Why? We got to understand the reason why I believe James says that is because he, he knows that in those trials is where our faith is developed. You know, it gives us opportunities to grow. It makes us stronger Christians. And I believe lastly, like gold, there's gold in each and every trial that we face in life. It's there to refine us. It's there to bring something out of us that we can't see. You see, when we come to God, we are a new creation, right? But this new creation gets developed. It just doesn't come right there. And in those trials is where we can see the identity of who God is as we submit to him, as we yield to him. We are able to see that gold. Many love gold. Everyone loves gold. Imagine to see the gold of your personality shining. But first, James says we got to consider the trials a joy. And it's important to understand the thing about trials that it involves a testing of faith. When you go through trials, it tests your faith. Are you going to stay? Are you going to leave? You know, are you going to retaliate? Are you going to just sit calm? Are you going to just, you know, take the smack on the cheek ten times? What are you going to do? There's a testing of our faith. And the difficulties in life are intended by God to refine our faith. It is the impurities that get refined away so that we might become pure and valuable before God. Because if we're God's children, we need to walk like his children. We need to talk like his children. We need to be a reflection of who the Father is. But that happens through that fire. It happens through the trials that we are to consider a joy. And I know there's many of us in this room today that are dealing with multiple trials. Many of us in this room today come in here with so much heavy burdens. Many of, this, of us in this room come in here confused today, wondering, what should I do? Where should I go? How should I do it? And James reminds us to consider it a joy because God is doing something that you're not able to see. And as you go through these trials, as you deal with life, as you deal with what you're dealing with, it's not to, God is not testing you to see if you have faith. He knows you actually have faith, right? It's intended to actually purify the faith that already exists. 
He wants to purify the faith that's already there. He wants to build you up. He wants to reconstruct you. He wants to make you walk bold. He wants to show you who he is. But for you to see who he is, you got to know how to dance in that fire. You know, it's the idea of remaining under. Regardless of the trial that comes, if you remain steadfast, you will see, you will taste, and you experience the goodness of God. But first, you must remain. I love this verse in John 5, uh, 15, verse 5. It says that, I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. And it's amazing because, yes, it is only in him can we find joy, right? It is those who remain. It says, aside from me, you can do nothing. It is those who remain, those who are the one that produces much fruit. Now, I understand you might be going through what you're going through and you want to exit, but Jesus said it is those that who remain bears much fruit. That faith gets refined for those who stay in and not desire to quit. For us to see God being faithful and miraculous and knowing that he would never let, us back, never let us down or turn his back on us, we need to understand that it says his love covers a multitude of sins, and it says that he works good for all those who love him. So if you love someone, you're not going to abandon them. We have relationships that we all deal with, right? Family members, spouses and you committed your love to that person, you love that person, and when you're going through something, you don't just leave and say, you know what, I'm, I'm packing, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm out of here, you know what, I'm never talking to you again. No, instead, you know what you do? You work it out. Because you know as you go through that fight, as you go through that fire, you two are going to come out much stronger. And as you stay with Christ in that fire, in that trial that you're dealing with, when you remain in God, you come out stronger than you once was before. So the next time that trial comes, guess what? You're prepared. You've been refined. You've been built up. You've structured. You're able to walk through there boldly. But we got to understand, this is important to understand. If God is only available on Sundays when you visit this church building, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you're not being discipled, if you don't have leaders or people pouring into you, and if you're not even reading the word yourself to confirm what you're being told, if you're just listening to me and taking what I'm saying and just running with it, but you're not evaluating it by yourself with the word of God, then guess what? It might be impossible for you to have that type of response to have joy. Because you're going to say, you know what? The guy said that one day on Sunday. Um, uh, he said that on YouTube, you know what? Um, my leader told me this before, but you know what? I don't know this for myself. That's why God has called us to know him intimately and know him personally. Don't just take what I'm saying. Don't leave with what I'm just saying. Guess what? God desires intimacy with each and every one of you. He wants to get to know you for you who you are, and you can get to know him for who he is. And don't get me wrong, I, I believe it's amazing to have others pouring into you. I believe it's, it's great to be in a life group, and I believe it's great to be discipled by people. But guess what? If that's your only source of God, my friend, guess what? You need that prescription of God's Word. God is calling you for a prescription of His Word to know Him for who He is and not what you're being told. 
having that type of relationship, third-party relationship, that YouTube relationship, that mentor-only relationship, then guess what? You might question the very existence of God when you're in that trial. You will question whether God even cares for you or not. But that, my friend, that, my brothers, that, my sisters, can only happen when you are not planted in the Word of God, when you are not rooted in the Word of God, when you're not being showered daily by the Word of God. But if your God is only through someone, then guess what? That might be impossible for you to bear. You might want to know, what, how can I consider trials joyful? Because you have not tasted the living God. We have to understand, people, you know, sometimes we treat God like he's a grocery store. <laughs> you know, we come, we get what we want at our convenience, and then we, you know, leave and come back because we ran out of that feeling and we need another touch. You know what? Let me go to church. I need another touch of God. We treat it at our own convenience. He's not a grocery store, people. That is not the gospel. The gospel is love. When you love someone, you wouldn't treat them that way. You wouldn't come and go as you want. You wouldn't just go get what you want to say. You know what? I got to take a hike. I'll be back next week. No, but it's when you love someone, you spend time with them. When you love someone, you commit your life to them. When you love someone, even though you are not in the mood to converse, even though you're not in the mood to talk, guess what? You give them your all. You open your ear because you're extending love to them. And in the same way, if we love the Lord our God as we proclaim and as we sing, then guess what? Our lifestyle should be a reflection of that love outside of the church building we all could perform in here but what happens when we go home are we opening our bibles are we creating altars in our home is god being invited in our homes is our children being raised up by god are we living by the standards and the value of god in our homes when we go into our workplaces are we allowing god to move or are we just confining to what the world says when you are rooted in the Word of God, something happens inside of us. You get constructed differently. When you are rooted in the Word of God, it's like you're built by a machine. It's like you're built by a machine. Regardless of the storm that comes, guess what? You stand strong because you know who you are, and you know who's the one that's working with you and in you. That's what, that's what happens when you encounter God. Something happens inside of you. You fall in love. And no matter what storm, no matter the size of it, you consider anything a joy because you know who is with you and who is for you. And he says that he has given you victory, and he says the gates of hell will never prevail against you. So you know when you're walking in that authority, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what's on the left, no matter what's on the right, you say, you know what? I'm a child of God. And you have showered yourself with that word. You have walked in that word. You have resonated yourself in that word. So when you walk out, guess what? Regardless of what you see, it's the word that's remembered in your mind, not what you see on the news before you went out of work. Some of us get up and watch the news, and then we go outside, and we have paranormal, and we have anxiety, and we say, man, well, how am I going to you know, deal with this and deal with that? We, if we shower ourselves with the Word of God daily, we wouldn't have that type of response because you will be strong. You will be grounded. Church, we have to understand that God loved us first, right? He first loved us. He will never leave us. 
no matter the size of the storm. And I understand a lot of us in this room are dealing with some pretty heavy storms. We're dealing with some rough storms. We're dealing with some might be some quiet storms. But it doesn't matter the size. God is there with you regardless. He said he will never leave you nor forsake you. But it is up to you to trust him in that storm, knowing that regardless of the size, he wants to do something in you. He wants to do something through you. Time and time again, we've read, we've heard of how faithful God is and what he'll do, just as he says, right? But it's up to us to hold on to those promises. It is up to us to hold on to those promises we, as we walk in the fire and to know that if we remain steadfast in God, we will see the fullness of his glory. We will see his mighty right hand. We will see him part the Red Sea in our life. We will see everything that we have, we have heard and seen, the, the Goliaths that we deal with. He will show the David spirit inside of us. But first, we must be able to endure, to remain under, to stay in, and consider your situation. As you know what it is, consider your situation a joy because God is doing something. He's cooking something. I love cooking. I'm, I was a prep chef for a while. I love cooking, and God loves cooking. You know why? Because after he put all those ingredients together and he shows you the type of meal that he has, when you taste that meal, you're like, man, I want more. But first, you must remain in the fire. And then we see James. James says, hey, man, when you consider it joy and, you know, you go for the long haul, you know, this, this considering a joy produces this quality called endurance. It's almost like a, a muscle that becomes strong when it gets, when it faces resistance, right? So as Christians, we got to understand, unless we are with God for the long haul, unless we stay when we face difficulties, that's the only way that the faith can produce any ounce of endurance. If we don't stay, if we're not for the long haul, then guess what? Why even be there in the beginning? It's for the long haul. Like, as I said, when you love someone, you don't give up. You go through it, thick or thin. You make it work. You stay in. You conform to whatever you have to conform to, and you say, you know what? I love you, and we're going to work this out. God says he loves you, and he wants to work it out, so don't quit on him because he wouldn't quit on you. If we can look at Romans 5, 3, and 4, I love this verse, and I love how God, you know, God is always, um, he, he's always, you know, showing himself, he's always revealing himself, and he's always showing that, hey, you know what, there's no contradictory in my word. Here, here it is again, and we look at Romans 5, 3, 4, and it says, and not only that, he said, but we also boast in our affliction, because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Endurance, endurance. Having endurance isn't something that just, it just happens right away. It takes a while, right? It takes a, if you are, for those of you who, you know, um, jam, working out, or running, any, any, fo any form of anything needs endurance. And for us to be able to build endurance, first we got to understand that God first called us to surrender. He called us to submit, to yield, to give in. And having this posture in the midst of our trials is where we are called to be to allow God's will to have its full effect in our lives. 
If we believe that, you know, hey, you know what? Um, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, but we don't submit to God, there's no way we're going to see his will work out for our good. It is only then that we can see God's vision. When we submit, we're able to see God's vision. We're able to see what God is trying to do, what God wants to do. And doing this creates what I call a process, right? For anything in life, there's a process, right? Being, being able to submit, being able to see God's will, it's all a process. You don't just come and say, hey, you know what, I'll submit today. No, it takes time. But how else would you know if you don't submit, if you don't allow the will of God to work in and through you, how else would you know how mighty, mighty God is or how powerful he is or how faithful he is if you don't remain in the fire? We need to be people who are, stop asking for it to be extinguished. Instead, we should let the will of God be moved in our lives. These trials is what builds us. These trials that we're dealing with, guess what? It's not a quick fix. You might have gotten some news that maybe seemed bad to you, or you might say, man, I took an L on this. But God is saying, no, these, everything that you deal with in life are lessons. We don't take losses. As believers, we don't take losses. There's lessons. Because remember, there's a promise that says he works good for those who love him. So no matter what you go through, if it looked like you took a, a loss, guess what? It's a lesson because you're going to be built in a different way when you come out at the, at the end of it. You can't put a, you know, a patch on your situation and say, you know what, I'll come back later if it goes bad again. No. God is not like that. God is a God of relationship. He's a God of transformation, of restoration, of renewal. But for our character to be re redefined, molded, and developed, we must endure the process of being made new. You see, when, when we are made new uh, creations in Christ, it's not a one-time one thing. It's something through eternity. It's something for the long haul. You don't come and say, hey, listen, I've given my life to God. Guess what? 20 years from now, I'll be made new. There is no completion to being made new. There's a continuous growing. There's a continuous going through the fire that your character gets developed until you reach eternity. There is not a place that you can meet to say, hey, listen, I'm here. I'm one and done. If you ever felt like that or if you ever felt if you've reached to that place, you're just called, you're just called riding the waves. You're in that place of just riding the waves. If you think you met where you need to be, you're just riding the waves. And God calls you for a new prescription of his word because that new prescription would refine your mind for what he wants to do now in a new way. This is a new season. We've all come out of this quarantine season and we're working through it. We're pushing through it. But God wants to do something in this season. He wants to revitalize you. He wants to put a respirator on you. He wants to wake you up. But first, we must stay in the fire, people. Whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever news you may have gotten, when God starts something, he finishes it. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you down. Guess what? He understands. Remember, he first extended his love to you. So he cares for you more than you can ever think. He's beyond compassionate. Compassionate is like not even close to how much God desires to be intimate with you. How much he desires to let you know that he's right beside you. There's no way that you can fully experience God unless you put your trust in him. I understand what you're dealing with may be big for you. That's small for God. 
God said the rocks would cry out, right? That's it. the rocks, my goodness. What you're dealing with is nothing to God. As I said, he wants to part the Red Sea in your life. But everything is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen when we think it should happen. It happens when God is ready to bring us to that place of renewal, of restoration. But yet, for some reason, when we come to God, we say, hey, listen, you know what? God, I'm in this situation. I want this to work out. And if it doesn't work out, we say, you know what? Man, forget this. I don't want to stay in this. We give up because it didn't happen in the time we thought it should have happened. We say, hey, you know what, God? Why am I dealing with this for so long? How faithful am I? I'm praying. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. But guess what? Still, why do I still have to deal with this? And we give up. Talk about abortion. We're called to stay the course, people. We're called to stay the long haul. We're called to say, you know what? No matter how painful this may seem, I'm withholding for the whole nine months. I'm not letting go. I'm not going to say, you know what? I'm taking this quick exit. I'm going to go for the long haul. Because at the end, you don't know what God is trying to give birth to. You don't know what God is trying to bring out of you. You don't know the identity God is trying to pull through you. But the only way you can know that is when you stay the full nine months. It's metaphorically. When you stay the full nine months, when you don't allow yourself to say, hey, you know what? This is too painful. Hey, you know what? I can't afford this. You know what? I wouldn't be able to do this. You know what? I give up. I'm aborting. God is saying, no, I want to birth something. But unless you stay in that fire, you're going to be able to see what I'm going to bring out. You see, when you understand what Christ did for you on that cross, there should be something that erupts inside of you that is untangible. It should, it should just change everything about you. The, when you. When you see the love that Christ extended, it changes the lens of your life. It changes the way you see. It changes your perspective. It changes the way you see the life. You, the way you see those trials, it would change when you truly encounter God. When you truly experience God, everything changes. Somehow, the nature of man that you were given at the fall gets stripped off for the nature of God. You're able to walk in this victorious mindset, and you say, hey, you know what? Man, I'm standing on this promise that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm standing on it. And when you walk with that mindset, when you walk with that perspective, something different happens to you in the trials. And somehow you see yourself finding joy in trials. Somehow you say, hey, you know what? I don't care what I'm going through. I know God is doing something. I know God is giving birth, and I want to see what he's doing. I want to see what he's bringing out of this. And you stay in, and you find joy, and you're like, you know what? I'm praising God because guess what? Witnesses are watching, and you say, whoa, they see you, and they want to know what it is about you, that you, what, what makes you feel so joyful, why you feel so joyful, and that's when you're able to proclaim the goodness of who your God is. <laughs> Jesus is his life. He's the restorer. He renews, but it's a process, and this process only occurs when we remain steadfast, when we remain planted within his word, when we remain in the fire. That's when we see the glory of God revealed in our lives. And we look at Luke 8, 15. Luke 8, 15, it says, But the seed in the ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest heart, 
and good, honest and good heart, hold on to it by enduring bear fruit. It's the seed that holds on that bears fruit. We have to understand there's nothing in us. If we just look at our situations from our own perspective, there's nothing in us that would ever find joy in trials, no matter what you're dealing with. We'll look at it and we would quick exit. We will go. There's nothing in us that would desire to find joy in trials. It is only when we look at our situation through the lens of God, it's only when we see those things that we can consider our situations a great joy, when we remain in the Word, when we shower ourselves with the Word of God. That is when, when we stand on that promise that says He will never leave us nor forsake us, that is when we can stand bold in the trials that we face. And guess what? Many of us, we're dealing with that, hey, you know what? That, that, that familiar thing is going to come and say, hey, man, let's get out of here, right? That familiar addiction or that familiar thing that you, hey, man, what, let's get out of here. That quick exit that says, listen, one hit of me, one shot, we'll be good. This will be off your mind in like minutes. It's going to be there. But the Word says it is those who remain under who will see the faithfulness of God, who will bear fruit. You think of testimonies. Testimonies are not birthed from people who give, you know, abortion. They're not birthed from the people who take the quick exit. They're not, testimonies are not birthed from people that says, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm leaving out of this trial. No, testimonies are birthed from those who oh, said, you know what? Because this fire is hot, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay in it. Those were testimonies are birthed from. Testimonies are the one that says, hey, you know what? I went nine whole months with this child, and guess what? They, the doctor said it couldn't work out, but guess what? This child is here before you. This child is proclaiming before you. Testimonies are birthed from those who endure, those who stays in the fire. Regardless of how hot it is, you know God is with you in that fire, and he's covering you from every flame. But first, you must believe and trust in him and stay rooted in his word to have that understanding. And I believe there's many of us in this room that God is speaking to right now. I mean, in my kitchen, God gave me this download, and, I, and he said, you know, there's a lot of, in this season, coming out of this season, there's a lot of us that are um, in a lot of trials. We're dealing with so many different things. And I believe God wanted to remind you all that he didn't leave you. He's with you. He knows your situation. He's working with you. He's working in and through you. He desires to work in and through you. And if you didn't believe that then, I hope you believe now. And I don't want you to leave this room as someone encouraged. That wasn't my goal. I want you to leave victorious because you have a God that has given you victory. So regardless of what's before you, you have already conquered it. But first, you must stay in the fire. Stay rooted in his word because at the end of what you're going through, God is going to birth something new. This is not to be treated as a motivational speech. I don't want you to leave and say, man, wow, he gave a great speech today. No, you are being reaffirmed. You are being built up to know that God is able. No matter how heavy it feels, God is able. When you are weak, he is strong. So don't stop. When you leave here, stop pretending like you got it all together and let God know that, guess what, you're broken. And when you're broken before him, he will be the one to repair you. His word says, seek me and you will find me. 
An amazing thing is this very moment, Jesus is actually interceding for you. This very moment, Jesus is praying to the Father on your, on your behalf. That's how much he loves you. What you're, what you're going through is not unseen. He sees it, and he's actually praying to the Father that you would remain in the fire because he's with you. He will never abandon you. That's not God. He will never abandon you. He would stay the course with you because he knows he's the one that's strengthening you. You're not doing it on your own, but sometimes we try to do it on our own. Sometimes we walk away from the word of God and we say, you know what, I have to do this on my own, and God is saying, you know what, it's too heavy for you. You're going to actually choose that quick addiction. You're actually going to go back, but if you trust in me, if you lean on me, I would lead you. He's the one that upholds us. He knows that there's various trials that we're going to deal with. But we have to understand, if God is not our foundation, we will crumble. We will crumble. We will fall. We will stumble. The only way for your faith to produce any ounce of endurance is when you stay the course. Looking at Christ in the midst of it and saying, hey, you know what? Man, I know what James is speaking of now. You're with me. When we have that posture of allowing God to be with us, there's something that happens. Something changes. You walk differently. So as you, you know, as you walk out of this room, when you leave this room, I pray that the intercession that Jesus is doing for you, that you would take heed to it, that you would not be like Peter upon the sea looking at the storms. Instead, you'll leave looking at God, knowing that he will uphold you. As believers, we've been reconciled to God through Jesus. We can either continue to uh, be babies or desire to be mature children. And we have to understand, it doesn't only happen when we read, pray, or fast, but when we remain under, when we stay steadfast, when the trials come. I don't care how much you read, how much you pray, how much you fast. If you keep going to that addiction, if you keep taking that quick exit when trials come, there'll be no growth. It's only when you stay the course, when you remain under, when you allow the perspective of God to change your mindset and you're able to see from God's victorious perspective, that is when you walk with the courage and boldness of God. So as you leave here today, be reminded that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Your strength is not from you. Your strength is not from what you're being told. Your strength comes from the Lord. So if you're not washing yourself, if you're not showering yourself with the word, there is no way that you will be able to have that strength that James speaks of. There's no way that you'll be able to find that joy that James speaks of. If you continue to seek God through others, there's no way that you can find joy. So as you leave this place, I encourage you to be reminded it is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. It is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Don't just take my word for it. Seek and you will find. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.